You've probably heard about the July 12th marches in Northern Ireland and the bonfires on the night of the 11th. But why is it a tradition in the first place? Well, let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Welcome to the podcast. Sean Defoe here. Don't forget to hit that big red subscribe button to pick up on new episodes every week, wherever it is you're listening, including our quite literally out of this world look at space junk from last week which I have to admit is actually my favourite episode to date. Shout out to Eamon Torsney from our newsroom for suggesting this week's episode. And if you want to suggest any of your old, if you have something that you'd like explained, that's sort of a, I don't know what a tracker mortgage is issue, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Sean Defoe or at Sean Defoe News to make a suggestion. This week, though, it's the 12th of July, and that means the pinnacle of marching season in Northern Ireland. And we're releasing this episode a few days early to market. But why did the Orange Men march in the first place? Well, once again, we're going to have to hop in the time machine to start explaining. It's amazing to see how politics of more than 330 years ago is still having an impact today. In 1685, James II came to the throne, making him the King of England, Scotland and Ireland at the time. Years previously, James has converted to Catholicism, something which really worried the Anglican Protestants who were by and large making up all the positions of power around the court at the time. And after James became king, there were a number of rebellions, which caused him to start stacking the army and high offices with Catholics, and also to suspend a hostile parliament. And when he had a son, a possible Catholic heir and dynasty, it was too much for some of those Protestants who saw their power slipping away for good. Enter William of Orange a Dutch prince who was married to James's daughter, Mary. And just three years after James II took the throne, William was invited by the king's opponents to depose him and take the rule for himself. He fairly promptly managed to kick his unpopular dad-in-law out and James II fled to France. But he wasn't going to give up that easy. It's a pretty good job being king, as it turns out, and he wanted to remain being king. So he arrived in Ireland, hoping to raise supports from the mostly Catholic population to take back the top job. All of this then came to a head on the banks of the River Boyne. James II had a much smaller army with older equipment and less training, but he had the better ground. William and his forces were going to have to cross the river under fire to get at him. But William had been defending the Dutch against repeated attacks from France and was by far the superior commander. His forces crossed the river and routed James's army. The casualty numbers actually were quite low. Just 2,000 of the suspected 50,000 men involved died, most of them being on James II's side. But while militarily it was far from the most significant battle in history, politically it was huge. James fled back to France where he would die a few years later. Many of his supporters and his army kept on the fight over a number of years in different battles but eventually would be routed. William and Mary took the throne and ensured that Protestantism would remain in the ascendancy in British positions of power and leadership. And it's that victory for King Billy which the Orange Order celebrates every year on the 12th of July.
Now, as you might have guessed, the Orange Order is named after William of Orange, the Protestant Dutchman who deposed a Catholic king. It wasn't set up until more than 100 years after the Battle of the Boyne. And interestingly, the battle itself was actually said to have happened on the 1st of July. But when calendars were changed from the Roman Julian to the current Gregorian, we lost 11 days. And so the 12th of July. The 11th is usually marked with bonfires, supposedly as bonfires were lit to celebrate and guide William of Orange through Northern Ireland as he was welcomed through the country to go and defeat the Catholics. Although, as Henry McKean found out when he visited Larne recently, there are other reasons for bonfiring now, like trying to break a world record, for example, for the tallest bonfire at more than 200 feet. And how many pallets are in there altogether in the tower? Probably in the region of 15,000. Wow. And why is building a tower, a bonfire tower, out of pallets 200 feet, breaking this world record? Why is this important for Protestant culture, for union? Well, we believe uh, culture? the world record should be here in Northern Ireland, as it's the home of the bonfires, due to our culture and our tradition. And from a safety point of view, tell us about these harnesses you're using. They're proper harnesses that you would see on Alden sites and all, uh, whenever people building all our big structures like we've been doing. So, you know, and some of you are actual building contractors, so yep, you're building is. it like a, bu- a building. Oh, aye, yes. So the, the, the cherry picker that's coming in later? Aye, the telehandlers over there, that's what we've been using to go up there. Obviously, you can see where the platforms start there. And you've got bits of pallet that stick out and you, you strap that on the harness. Just a, that there's scaffolding planks scaffolding. coming into the fire, which are also, like, because of the weight that's inside it, is pushing down on them. So obviously the safety of them are in the pallets for the, the fall of the stand on them and every harness is onto it. And how long does it take to climb to the top? At the start it only took you about five minutes and it takes you about 15. One other little known fact is that at the time of what the Orange Order calls the Glorious Revolution, politics was quite nuanced in Europe and the Protestant William was actually in an alliance called the League of Augsburg, which included among its members Pope Alexander VIII. So the Protestant leader was fighting on the side of the Pope and the Catholic King was fighting against the leader of his faith something you don't see many in the Orange Order shouting about too loudly. Now, as you can imagine, these parades haven't always gone down well in Catholic or nationalist areas of Northern Ireland. I mean, 332 years is a long time to be bragging about a military win. And when parades have usually resulted in flashpoints is when an Orange Order march has passed through a nationalist or Catholic part of a a town or a city. And one of the most well-known and most contentious has been the Drum Cree march in Portadown with a serious standoff in the mid to late 90s, even running into the early 2000s. And the flashpoint came around the parade passing down the Maine nationalist Garvahi Road, leading to rioting in 1997. A policewoman has been injured in a gun attack on an RUC patrol in Coal Island in County Tyrone. She was part of a three-member patrol sitting in an RUC vehicle outside the local police station when a man opened fire with a shotgun. He said Mole Molum had worked heroically to find agreement, but she said that the eventual decision had been taken with regret. I know many in the nationalist community will be angered by this decision. It has been dictated by circumstances. I would have preferred it otherwise. 
Nevertheless, I appeal to all in the nationalist community to understand that overall public safety across Northern Ireland has to be the Chief Constable's concern. I was left with a stark choice how much life is liable to be lost, and that loss of life was liable to be in the Catholic community. These are the stark choices I was left with yesterday. That was the decision I made. I think that the decision today uh, makes life difficult for, for everybody. Uh, but we have to, I think, uh, understand the, uh, the nationalist position. We have to understand the, uh, the sense uh, of disappointment uh, that they have uh, today. Uh, but equally so, I hope that everybody on all sides can, can act with, with dignity and respect uh, for each other. Uh, there should not be violence, uh, and I, I hope there is not violence. Since 98, the parade's been banned from going down the Garvahi Road, but that's something some orange men are still trying to overturn. In more recent years, there have been serious incidents in the Ardoin area of North Belfast. The 2001 riots, for example, saw 113 police officers injured and dozens of hijacked cars, along with literally hundreds of petrol bombs used. Contentious parades now get sent to the Parades Commission and their last annual report for 2020. Well, it actually isn't much good for us to work off as so many parades were cancelled because of COVID. But if we go back the year before to 2019-20, they were notified of almost 3,800 parades. 2,300 of those were from Protestants, Nationalists or Loyalists and around 100 from Catholics, Republicans or Nationalists. The rest were classed as other. And of those parades, 186 were considered sensitive, almost all of them being from Protestants, Nationalists or Loyalists, and 133 of those had special conditions imposed on them where they couldn't go into certain areas, for example, as they might cause tensions in the community. Now, last year, thankfully, the parades went ahead with any sort of major incident of violence, according to the PSNI, but there was still a bit of a COVID lag on attendance. So this year is going to be the first that's back to something of a normal routine. In its last annual report, the Parades Commission warned that feelings in the Protestant, Loyalist and Unionist community around the Northern Ireland Protocol could provide significant challenges. Also, the uncertainty about just who's going to be the new British Prime Minister, what is their stance on the Protocol going to be, and whether that will lead to Northern Ireland in turn remaining without a government could also be quite problematic. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Let Me Explain. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever it is you're listening. John Kyo was the editor today with Lockleheart on Sound Production. I'll be back next week. Listener.